you know, targeted, held out of school for something completely unrelated to their academic performance. Um, in, in, in my child's case, it was activism. Um, I know how hard it is to, to, um, on the child. And and if you want to bring a lawsuit, it's not just, you know, you wave a magic wand and sue, it costs money and time. And this young man, um, Daryl George, his life will be invaded with questions and depositions. And so uh, I, you know, I commend him and his family for standing up to this BS um, and invoking the Crown Act and taking it to court um, because the Crown Act took effect even in Texas in September and it prohibits race-based hair discrimination and it specifically bars both employers and schools from penalizing people because of their hair texture, protective hairstyles, including afros, braids, twists, bantu knots, or yes, wait for it, locks. So, um, I, you know, I hope this guy prevails and I commend that family for going through all that they're going to have to go through for this child to be able to just be black, you know, schooling while black. Um, you say you want kids to stay in school. You stay education is, is the most important thing, but you're literally forcing this child not to come to school because uh, you do not like his hair style. That's insane. Um, meanwhile, the school superintendent, this guy, Greg Poole, has been running a full page ad for the past month talking about why they are not violating the Crown Act. Taint jury pool much, anyone? Incredible. Um, and I don't, you know what I need to find out? If they have a GoFundMe or something to pay for their legal uh, fees, I would send them something because I know, you know, <clears throat> we were thinking about um, taking legal action against a school and I know what deep pockets and thick skin it takes to make that happen as a black family going against a white institution with systemic racism baked into the way they do business. And I wish them God speed. Uh, good for you, young man. And I hope that um, when he graduates, he gets some amazing job offers just based on his fortitude and willingness to stand up. Uh, because of what he's doing, what 18-year-old Daryl George is doing, maybe some other school districts will think twice before penalizing children for being black. Um, uh, we got um, an exciting show coming up for you next. McCoy Zeno is in the building. I'm Dominique DePrima for KBLA Talk 1580. Say the quiet part out loud. loud. KBLA Talk 1580. Thanks for waking up with Dominique DePrima on KBLA Talk 1580. I do appreciate you. I know I, I came in here with no makeup on my face and promised to uh, <laughs> to do a tutorial. Um, we are having some glitches in that plan. So um, why don't you call me if you want to? 800-920-1580. 800-920-1580 is the number to call. I want to remind you, though, we are your um, election information station. And we will continue uh, to um, interview um, candidates. We've got next week coming up, we've got more district attorney candidates 
City Council. In addition, we will be talking to the judges. I know how important that was last time because many uh, times we don't even um, we don't even know who the judges are, and we're playing any meeny miny mo. And certainly, some of the uh, decisions that we've been seeing lately, along with attacks on judges. Um, really show how pivotal the role is of these folks that sit on the bench. So we'll be looking into that. All of that stuff will be housed on our website. So um, make sure you keep it right here. And it's, it's interesting. I was talking to one of the candidates off the air, and she was saying, you know, that she's knocking on doors, and people are telling her they don't even know there's an election coming up. Well, folks, there is an election coming up. Early voting starts in just a few weeks Yes, I said it. Weeks, not months. Uh, it's the first week of February when you will get those ballots. That's actually two weeks away. And then the election itself, March 5th, right around the corner. So it's time to start paying attention. Um, on the good news front, I, t this is good news to me. You may not think that it is. But, uh, you know, we've talked about, uh, we've talked ad nauseum about unhousedness homelessness, houselessness, and this nimbyism that we were speaking on earlier, not in my backyard. People don't want to build housing there. They want all of the housing to go into low-income neighborhoods, black neighborhoods, Latino neighborhoods, and keep their themselves insulated from unhoused and low-income, uh, you know, affordable housing residents. So every city in California is supposed to give a plan to the state about how they're going to build housing, how they're going to increase the supply, where it's going to go. And a lot of cities that don't want poor people, black people, or brown people drag their feet on this or refuse to do it, i.e. Santa Monica famously, Manhattan Beach famously. In some cases, the state is saying, if you don't come up with your own plan, we're going to impose ours, and you'll have to build where we say, of course, that's going to create uh, a, a spate of lawsuits. But the city of Beverly Hills is one of these places. Um, and it's, it's interesting because the, um, the uh, city is famous for constantly building, you know, the McMansions and these incredible upgrade do-overs, um, improvements from the wealthy residents there. So now uh, L.A. County Superior Court Judge Curtis Kinn has blocked the city from issuing all building permits except for new residential development. And it is meant, it is the judge's way of penalizing the city of Beverly Hills for failing to approve affordable housing inside the city. In other words, they have refused to come up with a plan to let poor people <laughs> or people of color live inside Beverly Hills. It's not just their special police force that they had, which was supposedly monitoring lifestyle crimes, which I think is something I can't remember off the top of my head, but it was something outrageous, like 80% of the people that they harassed and cited were black. Um, it's not just that. It's... Um, that they don't want you to live there either. They don't want affordable housing there either at all. So uh, this judge, big ups to Judge Curtis Keen. He was like, uh, Kin, excuse me. He said, no more, you can't, nope, you can't build a pool. You can't upgrade your, you know, fancy uh, guest house. None of that until y'all approve a plan for affordable housing in the city. Now, officials are appealing that decision. Of course, they say they're going to keep uh, processing permits and they're going to ignore what the judge said. 
Um, but everyone's freaking out. I mean, this is, uh, this is something you may not hear about in the barbershop or the hair salon, but uh, folks in Beverly Hills are having a meltdown freak out because they can't do what they were planning to do, you know, uh, and get even fancier, fancify, probably not a word, um, upgrade their homes or businesses until they get a blueprint for affordable housing. Even if the officials continue to ignore the judge, you think about the implications of this long term and what it could do to the city. Um, (laughs) I just love it. I love it. I'm not mad at you for wanting, you know, your sauna on your pool or an extra bathroom for your, uh, you know, for your guest house or whatever it is that you're doing. I'm not mad at your exorbitant wealth. I'm really not. Um, I wouldn't mind having exorbitant wealth myself, but I am feeling like I would love to see this idea replicated in wealthy NIMBY cities all over the country. If you refuse to come up with a plan for affordable housing, if you drag your feet and slow walk the requirement by the state, and I don't know how many other states have this requirement, but I'm sure there are many, and it could easily be put in place by state legislatures because this crisis of truly affordable housing, not the median, but the average income of an area, right? Truly affordable housing is not just a California thing. Sure, it's worse here. But we are the canary in the virtual coal mine. This is a crisis which is already spreading across the country. I remember I have a friend who moved to Atlanta. Um, She retired and moved to Atlanta where she was able to get a very um, inexpensive home. She sold her home here and was able to buy a home with property and have money to live on left over. Well, I have a friend that's building a home there right now, and times have changed. Atlanta now is close to L.A. prices, unless you want to live out, you know, in Georgia Woods. So this affordability crisis is spreading. It started in New York, L.A., San Francisco, now San Diego. San Diego is more expensive than, than Los Angeles. It is spreading. And so we are going to have to look at measures to force affordable housing. And by affordable housing, I mean housing that you can actually get into and maintain if you are being paid the minimum wage for full-time work in the city where you reside. That is affordable housing. Now, that's a little bit more if you live in West Hollywood where they have the highest minimum wage in the nation. But uh, maybe (laughs) some of these NIMBYs will feel the need to uh, raise the wage right? So they can raise their affordability ceiling. Whatever it is, the people, the, the people we deemed essential, right? During the height of COVID, the people we deemed essential cannot afford to live in the places where they work. Who is essential? Healthcare workers, restaurant workers, um, you know, people that uh, provide us with the ability to buy retail products like the toilet paper that everyone was stocking up on. Y'all probably still have some left over from what you bought in 2020. All of those people that interface with us have to be able to afford to live where they work. The gardeners, the fast food workers, the babysitters, the house painters, the house builders. 
Yeah, hopefully they got good union jobs, but not all of them do. Okay? And um, that means we're going to have to, I feel like we're going to have to start twisting some arms. I would love to see states and cities purchase housing, and I'm not talking about housing projects per se. I'm talking about housing for working class people, right? Um, We have a lot of conversation on this show about gentrification because it is something we see before our eyes. The people that have grown up in neighborhoods who have been in those neighborhoods for generations being pushed out, priced out, uh, permitted out of neighborhoods and more affluent in many cases, wider residents moving in. It is happening right now on the west side of South LA, the Crenshaw district. Um, <laughs> it's happening here. Um, and so part of the solution to that is more housing so that you don't, if you want, if you really want to move here, you don't have to, I don't have to be pushed out. And maybe you can find something that you can afford in the neighborhood where you already are. So you don't have to come on and take uh, a, an affordable or more affordable um, unit from someone over here in our community that needs it. So uh, I'm going to be, <laughs> I'm going to be tracking this, um, because this is probably symbolically maybe the most ritzy. It might not in real life. Like I think Bel Air is probably ritzier than Beverly Hills. Bel Air Crest. If you live in LA, you know where that is. But Beverly Hills, you know, from the show 90210 to the Beverly Hillbillies has been a symbol of affluence and exclusivity. So if they can be forced uh, by the courts to um, include working class people in their city, then sky's the limit. Um, The chair of the Municipal League there is quoted in the LA Times saying, we have intentionally created a desirable environment by deliberately avoiding overdevelopment and overdensification. That's code for you. Uh, Let's go to Morris. (laughs) Overdensification, that means too many black and brown people. Hi, Morris from Inglewood. What's up? Inglewood! Hey, it sounds like cold language to me. Uh, but, Dominic, let me ask you a question. One of the most intelligent people I talk to, whatever happened to public housing? Well, I mean, you haven't seen the projects. They're still there. Okay, so we're not we're not about building public housing. We're only about building what the cold language affordable housing. Is that it? Well, I mean, I've, if it's affordable public housing, I'd be for that. Is that different than a housing project? I think what... Um, my understanding is that urban planners are leaning more towards mixed income housing where you, you know, so you, so you're not just sticking all the low income folks in one big tower um, in a substandard kind of environment, but where we're starting to see, you know, more buildings that are affordable housing mixed with so-called market rate housing. Um, And I don't know, you know, I don't know all of the answers to what you're saying. I know, for example, in San Francisco, the projects that I, the public housing projects that I uh, lived across the street from have now been knocked down and replaced with uh, expensive um, condominiums. And those black people no longer live in San Francisco. So, you know, I don't want to knock on the projects like we shouldn't like projects uh, should be abolished necessarily. I just think that the movement now is towards building 
uh, mixed income, uh, mixed use kinds of uh, developments. I think the problem that we have is the developers, and this is no, this is not fraud or bribing or anything like that. Legally, developers can come into your community and buy up all of your public officials, and uh, yeah. they're developing projects now. They're developing projects now where people, the, the buildings are vacant. Uh, I would rather have a, a housing project uh, than have people homeless. Yeah. And I grew up in a, a public housing, and I know how important public housing is. I also grew up in an era when housing and students and institutions were not turned into commodities. We had some humanity to us. So the first thing we need to talk about is public housing, not affordable housing. That's code language. Public housing, where people who don't have them fat jobs or good-paying jobs have a, you know, have a place to live and sleep and clean their skin and cook their food, etc. We've got to have some kind of movement that addresses public housing managed by the city or some governmental agency. But when you turn over to privatization, we got nothing coming. Yeah. I mean, that's a good point. It's a fair point. Um, I don't, I don't think it's public housing versus affordable housing. I think it's both. And, but a uh, really, really great point. Morris, appreciate the call time for news, traffic and sports on KVLA talk 1580.